You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Julian Gardere. Julian, thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, hi, Brainerd. Thank you for having me. Julian, we're talking about your show with Melanie Vogt, who also happens to be your wife. Um, the show is called Concurrence, and it's running through November 3rd. There's more links in here so listeners can can see the show and learn more and go. Um, but but let's jump into the show. It's it's really interesting because, of course, this is um, a pairing of different work. The works are kind of speaking to each other in a way. Would you would you say that as your works are paired with with Melanie side by side throughout this show? Yeah, they happen to do so, but which is something we never thought about or even tried to do. Because uh, this show is really, let's say, like a, a group effort between uh, the FN gallery that invited us with, so, with um, um, Lisa Lebowski and Rick Davidman that uh, are in charge of the FN, and, and we pair us with Liz Garvey from Garvey Simon, to curate, like select, and put together the work together. And, um, Melanie's work have been like on a uh, Melanie's work and mine are very very different. She's like a a representative, a representational artist who paints often from direct observation. She loves to work like plein air and uh, and then um, add elements within the studio. And I'm more of a like I don't know. Uh, my practice is more informed by, I guess, uh, the ruins of, of modernity, like what we left since the old deconstruction uh, and like from modernity and trying to rebuild from this, not trying to not forget any parts. And so it's more of uh, more of an internal process than the one of like looking outside. You know, it's, things come from from like internal digestion of all the things I got to see in the past. And and we didn't work like really. I mean, some of these work have been made at the same time. Like I mostly work in the month of August for this show, uh, setting my my size to the 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 size of Melanie's work. Like where like she most of the work are like twelve by sixteen. No, yeah, twelve by sixteen, because that's the size Melanie uh, takes out when she works plein air. She works on paper that she preps with shellac and. I can just fit like a, a box she has that like, just with this she can easily travel. And then when she go back to the studio and paint more on them, she ending by gluing them on wood panels. So we just consider that like um, a regular painting at the end uh, rather than works on paper. But so uh, I often work very large, but like for this I got to reduce the scale I was working on to to conform to this 12 by 16, and which allow me to like to work quickly from one idea to another, and was well, kind of interesting. To, it's really, it could be quite yeah, challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is challenging to work on a smaller scale, and, and so let's talk about that a little bit because your the surfaces here are really interesting, um, and your process is quite interesting. Um, it's a there's there's a number of things going on here, right, in terms of your approach to, to materiality and, and pattern. Can you tell me a little bit about how these are done? These are, are they, these are also a type of collage as well as painting? Yeah, so for years, of, for maybe like 20 years now, I've been working, I've been making cutouts, like 
from like large specific installation using felt in space, like improvised cut in space, uh, to small magazine cutouts, you know, like to sometimes the size of very small uh, booklets. And, and in between, I got to do a lot of, not to do the painting cutouts on paper, but here is the first time that I've been able to expand that practice within uh, real painting on canvas which I've been looking for a very long time, and, but never found a solution that worked with me. So you mentioned collage, but basically I never glue anything together. I don't, uh, but often things could look like collage and, and refer to the history of collage, but uh, uh, the way they bond is often different. And like, when the, I use systems that, like, that I call sustainable, that they're sustainable in a way that because they, I don't discard any part, so um, it's usually like single cut, like following a single line, and that allows me to 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 fold, open, and and mix contents without removing any parts, and so you can go back to the original content if you wish. And what was missing to go from the paperwork to the canvas was the stitch, funny enough. So instead of gluing here, it's, uh, the things that I stitch. So these paintings are made, if you will, like three different paintings. One double-sided that's folded, cut once using a, a single line, open, cut with a second uh, cut using another single line, and open again, and which allows to show two sides at the same time. And all this is each to a third canvas, a third painting that acts like a background. So basically you have these three grounds, like foreground, middle ground, and background. And the, the drawings itself, if you think about painting as color and drawings, uh, comes from the, from the cut. And the composition by, by process itself is like... Um, 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 sorry, I'm looking for my word, is uh, symmetrical by, by system because there's this action of folding and folding. And, um, uh, so there's this folding and, and, there's, and there's sewing happening here. I understand exactly. what you're saying. Yeah, the, the, there's a lot going on here, but you're saying so there's <laughs> a kind of uh, a symmetrical, 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 we're both researching for words, a kind of symmetrical <laughs> aspect to this because of the, the folding as well as yes. the sewing, is that correct? Exactly, yes. But the symmetrical, so, uh, doesn't always show up. Like sometimes, so depending how the paint, because so in between all this, there's like the, still the painting is there. And this system allows me to be very free and experimental, like because basically I have to, the, the painting is never complete until it's like cut and stitched together. So all this, in between these three different paintings have to be like loose enough or incomplete enough to be able to to have the, the strength to, to cut through them, right? Because that's these things I, I, I've been making and working on. So it's like this very strange space that allows me a lot of freedom and experimentation uh, to to yeah to, to happen, you know? Yeah, it's fascinating. And so and so we're also talking about a kind of sculptural space here, right? Which 
perhaps relates to some of your your larger works and, and installations. But even in these small uh, paintings, there's a kind of space here with these layers of what's removed and what's you know folded and put in place that creates um, a very interesting surface, right? A very kind of unusual surface, and that seems to be. Uh, a big part of your work, right? This this almost illusion of of surface, of depth, of of how far we're going into it, and and a kind of almost misunderstanding by the viewer of what exactly is happening on the surface, right? Totally. Actually, the, basically, the space in between is really the space where I operate, because I keep every part. You know, you can basically you can unstitch them and put them back together and see the whole thing. And so, as everything is kept, it's like a safe space in a way, right? And, uh, and because we can have a conversation, we know that nothing has been discarded. And also, um, when there's like when things are folded and revealed. So as I fold and unfold and, and hide and reveal parts, right? So you, your mind, like once you understand how oh, these are made, has to consider what's behind. You know what's behind, like on the other side of the double-sided painting, what's under, what is revealed and hidden from the different layers, the three different layers of the painting. And so I remember, I think, I think it's, it's owned by, by, I think we said Picabia said that, like, oh, I can remember with Marcel Duchamp, of course, Picabia was talking about like how the back of the painting is the collecting dust. <laughs> Do you know about this quote? Or I don't. I don't remember who it was from, but like right. it was like this uh, this idea of like, and we are so obsessed by transparency in the society we live in, right? With the with the social media and all these things. So this idea of like how we can deal with transparency, with keeping some mystery and some uh, things that are hidden, but don't threaten you at the same time, right? Because because they hidden, but they're just the other part of the other things you see, so you know they exist. You see, even if they're hidden, you know they exist, you know? And so it's, a, it's funny because so I've been, before finding the solution to, to cut these paintings, I've been making a lot of paintings, of course, with just more traditional means, and I would work by through multiple destruction, like painting and, and editing through covering parts of it and keeping some of that. And so basically, it's, it's the same process happening here, in, on a more on a more physical way, and in a way on, in which I cannot go back once I start cutting because I keep every part right. It's not like I can edit the cut like this. The cut is a very uh, definitive action, and so and I was already thinking of paintings as like being more like facts, like a collection of events. You know, I really think of paintings as fact as something that like are a succession of actions that basically collect the, the, the time of the making and through this become this this entity that would have its own life, you know, I, that basically can, cannot really be fully uh, emptied by, by the viewers. You know, there's always something that's resisting the, the site, your site, and you, you keep looking at it and it, it responds you back, you, you start to see more through it. Uh, I really like this idea of like the paintings being a space for the viewer to to be completed and to be you know it's, so there's no uh, agenda in my work. Uh, the subject matter is this like relationships, the relationship between the layers, between the viewer and the paintings, 
between the, the, the empty and filled space happen with the cats. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? And, and, all, and also there's a relationship. It does make sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also there's a relationship to, to how you're using the materials, right? As, as you were saying, um, you have a kind of sustainable, sustainable approach to this, right? That, that parts of the painting aren't, aren't discarded. You're aware of, of waste, the waste that you're, you're making when producing this work, right? Which is, which is kind of unusual, right? Artists are using sometimes recycled material and other things, but you're essentially um, aware of your, of your carbon footprint here. Yeah, so basically there's no waste. Everything is there always. As even when I do the, the sculptures, the installations, uh, uh, I did some also video installation that used that same idea. So rather than upcycling or recycling and all these things, which is something I often do too because basically I often make my own stretchers using wood that I, I save from the street, let's say, more than collect, you know. And I, I, I can use all kind of uh, the fabric. I, can, I use like canvas, but I've been working like some in the show, some of the paintings in the show I made from discarded like uh, or reclaimed T-shirts or pants. So there's this, I can use all these things, but like, uh, by using a sustainable system, it allows to go to the root cause of all of it, you know. And so, and it brings, and, and the viewer can just take this, uh, this idea to their own life and, and, or to their own whatever um, uh, occupation they have and to, to, to apply these same ideas in their own processes, you know what I'm saying? So for yeah. me, so, so I did, for example, like, two subway stations for the MTA, you know, like in very, two subways in Brooklyn. And they're the same. They're like, they're like benches where integrate like two figurative sculptures. But all of them are made from this one single plate. I mean, each of them is made from one single plate cut of a stainless steel, cut through a single continuous line and just folded to create like two places to seat and two standing sculptures. Uh, and 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 uh, so you can you can understand the the way it's made just by looking at it, which is another thing to me that's to me important. So if you look carefully enough to these paintings, you will at some point understand how they're made, you know. And from understanding how they're made, you will understand more of the work. You understand the system. You understand what is at the core of it, and these things that you can take with you and apply in the world in many different ways. Yeah, that's so interesting. So let's talk about the pairings of these. This is, of course, a two-person show. And again, this is, this is a two-person show also with your wife. Um, these paintings are, in a sense, all paired throughout the show, uh, one next to the other. Um, um, and they seem almost like they're talking to one another. So how were these paired? How did you both hang the show? Because in some ways... It seems like it's based on on the palette, um, but but also there's um, different kinds of space in these in these works as well, right? But they seem like they're talking to one another. Yeah, we were so very surprised when we unpacked and placed the work side by side for the first time because we have separate studios and she, I work in Brooklyn, she works in the lower on the lower side. So and we so we never see our work side by side. Uh, we you know we discuss about the work. We visit each other's studios. 
we do all kind of, we exchange photographs of like, the works in progress, all these things, but never we get the chance to physically put side by side a work, which is a totally different experience. And, and funny enough, like here, the selection has been, uh, of the work has been done by, by Liz Garvey, and so she came to both of the studio, basically we did a three-person studio visit, uh, starting with one studio, going to the other one, and she, she picked work like this, but so not even in the same space, right? So, uh, so and then we discover all the work like for the first time in the in the gallery uh, on the installation day, and that was so surprising to find for each painting another one, another like a pairing one that would share similar palette, so, and they have all different palettes. Uh, the works I made were all made in August this August, but Melanie's work span from like some, I think the older might be, have been started like three or four, three years ago, I would say, two, three, two or three years ago. And, and the more recent were made just like at the same time in August and until, until September. Uh, but so, and I didn't look at her work when I was working, neither she did. And when we put this work together, there's not, so I think we did the pairing mostly starting with the palette. But as we look at them, experience them side by side, and that was the same from the feedback from the people coming to the opening, where like the multiplication of links that was coming from like, with uh, like basically one work was like influencing the, the way we look at the other one, like bringing you to look at, uh, to look at the work closer or, or, or to take some more distance to reveal some looseness into Melanie's work or allowing the viewer to look at more details in my work that sometimes you can think about like on a more distant view. And it was just like very fascinating to see the multiple of, of deep connection that happens uh, in the experience of the work together. And it's hard to intellectualize it. I think it's really uh, something that needs to be ex experienced to, to be understood. That makes sense. Absolutely, as well as the surface of these, right? Because just as your surface, that has to really be experienced. You have to be standing in front of it to see the small stitches in the sewing. Um, you know, the other work is also like that, too. Vote's work is also like that, too, right? We're looking at, in both your cases, very closely at the at the surfaces. Yeah, and mainly painting. So if you look from a distance, they're, like, super realistic, and, and then you get you go closer and you see the brush mark. Uh, even on the small piece by 12 by 16, or the smallest side might be 9 by 11, but you can feel the brush on every step. You can feel like this, like, there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, for example, grass, grassy leaves that have been uh, just like, that is almost volumetric from like, from the paint itself, like and just like a few different shades of, of the paint through one brush stroke or, and, and uh, the same, like when you go, close to my work, then you start to discover the stitches that you won't really see at first. At first, you, you see these are, you have to experience them as, as like what you call just like a regular painting. And then you get closer and the, the haptic experience of it has become very different. You start to consider canvas as part of a, of the, uh, as a fabric, you know? And so all of a sudden it opens your, your, your mind to the old textile art, you know, like from like, from um, ornamentation 
to like the the whole fiber art uh, movement that exists throughout like the 20th century and 21st century. Um, it's uh, it's a very fascinating. I mean, uh, we found this experience fascinating, but it was like it's been shared with all the visitors so far. Uh, we have been really. Uh, yeah, surprise! Like even the even people who knew both of us, uh, you know, uh, very well, uh, never imagined uh, all these levels of connection. We've been together for like twelve years, so I think a lot of things happen without you knowing any. You know, or no, just like uh, uh, yeah. I guess we often talk about this, but uh, and because our practice is so different, we never had like have a sense of competition and basically one open the other one to to its word and, and genealogy and to other artists. Like basically there's a lot of work that I consider now that I, w- I was not allowing myself to even look at, you know, to the galleries I would not even go to or, or things like this. Like, and, and the world, like right now, the outward, like the country outward is so open right now. There's so many, uh, there's not, we can't really feel like one canon. There's like maybe sometimes like, strong like um ideas but in terms of like uh what is allowed to be made or, or not allowed to be made compared to uh my generation coming from like being in school in the in the mid 90s in france where basically there was a bunch of no no you can't make this you can't do that you cannot think this you know uh like right now it seems like the the, the scene is so open in a way that's almost dizzying right you're like oh mm-hmm. so I thought it was a no-no, but it seems like it's not a no-no anymore, right? Everything is very, yes, very, you can, very you, open. You, can, you can do anything now, which is what it's very open, yeah. Thank God yeah. for, the, for the, the moment. I want to ask you one more question before we go. It's really a beautiful show you've both put together. Um, I want to just ask you an off-topic question. What are you reading at the moment? Oh, oh thanks for that for asking. But, well, I'm, I'm reading a few different books right now. I'm, um, I found... By chance, but I thought that was kind of a, uh, almost sent to me because then I talked with my friend uh, Bob Kushner from, you know, like the painter from uh, the pattern and decoration. It, when I told him I found this book, you know, by one of these vendors outside of the Met Museum, he said like, oh, that's like the Bible of a movement. I was like, oh, wow. I, I, I knew that I had to buy this book but uh, because I had to go back and forth because the vendor was not there. It was like, like a very strange story. But so uh, that's The Mediation of Ornament by Oleg Grabar. We basically uh, make a theory of like ornament. I mean, he's like a art historian, uh, more specialized in in, uh, in um, Islamic work, you know, Islamic ornamental work. And he opens the question of ornament uh, to to things like connecting also with architecture, calligraphy, and abstraction in general too. So even at the cover of the book, there's like a, these Sanskrit uh, Indian paintings that uh, resonate with a Mondrian in a way that's like very strange, and they're like hundred years apart, you know. And I'm also I was also so before finding this book, I was in the middle of a Picasso's War War by Hugh Eakin, which is more of a story has nothing to really do with Picasso directly. It's more the history of how uh, the U.S start to open up all the modern art, like the idea of the, the European modern art came to the U.S. through the figures of John Quinn and Alfred Barr. So, uh, and so that's pretty fascinating to see as a French person, like to see 
uh, that side of the story from here. And also, as I'm painting, I like to sometimes to to listen to audiobooks. So, in part, I was I'm listening to Ninth Street Women, uh, you know, by by Mary Gabriel, which is more like the history of the downtown artists in the uh, from from the let's say the 40s to to the 60s, and how like giving us like the side of the the woman that was often funny, uh, uh, the the partners of a lot of these artists, you know, like uh, like uh, the Kooning or like Elaine de Kooning or um, um, Lee Krasner, and and so I guess it's kind of like related to to this show. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I wish you well with this with this gorgeous show. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time, Julian. And uh, I wish you, Melanie as well, of course. Thank you. Thank you both so much for this beautiful show. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>